Welcome, viewers and listeners, to the Total Football Analysis City A podcast. We are the Thinking Fans Podcast. Each week, we get together with our besties, who are current pro players, real coaches, academics, and stat heads. Join the revolution, which will be televised and podcasted. I'm co-host Chris Mumford, known as the professor at UNC Chapel Hill. Today, I'm joined by Lori, whom we call Money, as she's always right, from our Sophia Bureau. Also, we have Coach Steve Coleman, whom we call the mailman because he always delivers. He's looped in and our, from our Wellington Bureau. Finally, we have our co-host, Daniele Proch, whom we call 009 because he's a debonair current pro striker at the Raleigh Bureau. What's up, Chris? Love the nickname. Exactly 100 days after the last game, the Italian League is back. Bentornata Serie A. It was March 9th when the season was uh, postponed after Sassuolo beat Brescia 3-0. And uh, it'll be June 19th when the season restarts with uh, Atalanta hosting Sassuolo. You know, Chris, last Thursday when I heard the news, I celebrated like uh, Cristiano. As soon as I saw the announcement on my Twitter, I went like, Sweet. Yes, the Serie A scriptwriters will restart the story of 2020 as Lazio tries to break the cycle of winning of the imperious Juventus and their talisman Ronaldo. Upstart Atalanta will try to hold on to its slim lead over Roma on the fourth Champions League spot. Finally, Napoli will have its hands full with three others in the chase, including AC Milan. So the league will resume June 19th, but the second leg of the Coppa Italia semifinals will play June 13th. Specifically, Napoli will host Inter. The first leg saw Napoli win 1-0 at San Siro, thanks to a great curler by Fabian Ruiz, who made our analyst pre-COVID best 11. And uh, the other fixture will be Juventus against uh, AC Milan. They're starting on a one-to-one aggregate. That game Ronaldo converted a late PK to equalize AC Milan's lead by Ante Rebic. So just uh, 12 more days and we'll see Zlatan and Cristiano face off again, Chris. Will Ronaldo be able to keep his clinical finishing going with 21 goals scored against 17 expected goals? He's been cool as the other side of the pillow. Will the time off reinvigorate his 35-year-old legs to match the stellar Immobile with 27 goals? Yowza, the fixture list will grow as fast and furious as a Roma roundabout at rush hour. <laughs> we'll, delve, we'll delve deep into pregame analysis as uh, we approach those restart dates. Today, we will look at the tactics of Inter, a team that has been revitalized under the new leadership of uh, Antonio Conte. Inter currently stands at 54 points with a game in hand, six points behind second place Lazio and seven points shy of uh, Juventus. Our analyst Steve will kick us off by talking about how the rebel Conte this past summer shaped Inter's pressing and counter-attack and how the Lautaro-Lukaku duo is driving the Italian defences crazy. Take it away, Steve. Thanks, Danny. Great to be here again for, the, for pod number two. Uh, we're going to discuss Inter, Inter today and, and how Conte's uh, change, change to his... his uh, pressing pressing patterns as enabled him to get the best out of Lukaku uh, from a from a goal scoring perspective. Um, so 
if we look at if we look at the way that they've they've pressed so far this season, um, next to me, Chris. So if we look at their last uh, ten games, uh, Conte's Conte's flipped between a three-five-two and a five-three-two, and um, and that, those things have uh, have enabled him to to change up how much or how high they press up the pitch. So if we talk about passes per defensive action. Um, they fluctuated from between five and twenty throughout the season, and those numbers are are based based on how many times they they get out and press the opposition, um, depending on the number of passes that that opposition makes. So, for example, in the in the last game against Juventus, that those pressing actions were were up at around twenty passes per defensive action, which suggests that they sat off a little bit deeper and allowed Juventus to have the ball. Whereas in in other games, for example. Um, against Lazio or, or Milan, where those actions have been been down at around five, so that they've certainly had a, had a lot more of a intention to, to press the ball higher up the pitch. Um, they don't make a lot of tackles. That uh, they, they certainly certainly rely heavily on on interceptions. They average forty six interceptions per game, and from those interceptions, they spring eleven counter attacks on on average. And that again, that number varies. Uh, throughout the season, and of those of those counter attacks, two and a half of those counter attacks uh, finish in in a shot on goal or or on target. So, so they've they've certainly created a, a good counter attacking structure around around that, and they've been certainly successful against teams who play a more narrow system. So, a team potentially that that use maybe a diamond in midfield, um, a four diamond two situation, where they when they don't have the the extra players in the wide areas, which which has, has caused them a lot, a lot of problems with, with the players in the wider areas. So when they play against those narrower teams, Conte likes to likes to get after the ball a little bit more, um, allow enables his wing backs to get higher at the pitch and press the opposition fullback without having to worry about a winger um, to deal with it in the in the top line. So so they've been more successful against those teams, and they've certainly been successful defending more in a medium block where they were able to to win the ball back in a in a more um, medium position on the pitch and then spring a counter attack from there. So, Steve, Next. question for you. Uh, has yeah. Conte historically, or at least when he was at Chelsea, had a bit of a reputation for being quite dogmatic uh, in his tactical play. Has that carried over into to Inter, is, or is he becoming more flexible in his tactical elements? Yeah, it's a great question, Chris. I, I think he's... I think he's been flexible within within the, the the team he has. Obviously, they were quite aggressive in the in the January window there to to bring players in that, that were more Conte players. But but I think he's been he's been flexible in in terms of how he operates with his fullbacks and how he operates with with Lukaku. Um, and as we'll come to a little bit later on, he's certainly getting the best out of him uh, with the ball. But he's accommodate accommodating his work uh, without the ball as well. So. I think he's had to be flexible, and I think he's had to be—he's had to be uh, certainly a little bit more astute tactically than than all guns blazing, pressing hard at the pitch like it like he was at Chelsea. I think. Good. Thank you for that. Yeah, Steve. Why don't uh, we break down uh, Inter's pressing in one of the last games against uh, against Napoli? Yeah, sure. So against Napoli, they were one of the teams, uh, as I mentioned earlier, that caused caused Inter a few problems in, in terms of their their um, their width and spreading spreading into across the pitch. So we just got some images for for, for you guys out there watching, um, and and for those not, I'll I'll explain those for you. So against Napoli, Napoli obviously a, a big team building out from the back. Inter tried very hard to, to press them from from set positions like goal kicks and and, and free kicks from deeper, uh, with with three players high at the pitch, which 
was great, um, but Napoli still played out, caused him a few problems because a lot of times Napoli would drop the two midfield players back into the back into the line to make at times seven with a, with the goalkeeper against three players. So they were able to get out much much easier, and it also created a big gap between Nap um, Inter's front line and everyone else. So next to me, Chris, you also find that. In moments where where they could Inter would go high up the pitch, um, and the two front players would would lock on to the two centre backs, and then the midfield players would also come and, and join in as well. So there, there's lots of there's lots of moments where Inter, for example, press high up the pitch. Um, they send the wing back out into into the line uh, to to help press high, high up the pitch, and then you have moments where they get played around and they get beaten. So. Any time that the the win back goes goes high at the pitch to, to press is a moment where against against Napoli, for example, when they when they have a problem. So, in the image on the screen here, into into three midfield players have joined joined Lukaku and Martinez with the, with the pressure, as have both win backs, and Napoli are able to get out onto the weak side um, and create a two versus one against the weak side win back with the winger and the fullback um, driving into into the midfield space, which causes a real issue for the for the inter the inter win back. Um, as you can see in the image, there are three players from Napoli in the top line, which means that Inter's back five are, are pinned in with just with just three players having causing them the ability to to create an overload in the in the in the first two lines for, for Napoli's build up. So what, when teams are able to do this against Inter, it does cause them a problem in the three five two system. As most people out there will will know that the most dangerous spaces are either in front or behind of the wing back on both sides of the pitch because it's difficult for them to to cover those areas with just one player. So if, if teams like Napoli can get out and, and cause into problems in those areas, then then they, they can have real issues defending those spaces. Yeah, and Napoli is a perfect example of uh, what you were saying before, that if a team manages to stretch Inter, then they get into real trouble because then you create 2v1s on the sides and that's when uh, when Inter suffers. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think that they've they've certainly got more success um defending in a in a more medium block it's it's still a high line comparatively speaking but uh once they're able to connect the the front two with the midfield three it make, it makes things a little bit easier so uh in the, in this image on the screen for those watching you can see napoli building out from the back they're playing into into the fullback but now instead of the wing back pressing the fullback you've now got the midfield player coming out to press the fullback which creates a more compact line keeps the wing back in the line to deal with the double up in the wide area and it also allows one centre back to, to move forward into the next line to, to press the, the highest midfield player which makes a massive difference because in Inter's case here it's, it's three central defenders defending one number nine so it enables one of the central defenders to step out while still having enough numbers to deal with a, a four versus three in the, in the top line as opposed to a, a, a five versus three. So in, in these moments, they're much more successful. It allows them to, to hurt teams quickly straight into Lukaku and Martinez for, for counter-attacks. Um, and it also accommodates Lukaku's um, mobility in that, in that top line where he's able to do enough for Conte to affect the direction of the ball, for example, to the fullback without actually pressing or, or doing anything major in terms of turning the ball over. Can I jump in here because I, I've noticed this uh, pattern even now when they defend deeper in a in a uh, low block um, and they uh, play against uh, players. I think it it was one of the games, um, the, the first game um, against Atalanta because they usually use the 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 wings um, quite effectively and. Um, 
inter duties even when they're pinned back and um, they, they use uh, some of the midfielders to go out and support um, the the wing back and actually one of the center backs uh, joins joins them too and then they create these defensive triangles uh, in, in a way to to block uh, the the creative players that uh, Atalanta had and uh, actually we've seen this in quite a few games uh, this season so it's very interesting that they've managed to to do this in some games but they they couldn't do it in 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 others and th that brings me back to to contest flexibility because I uh, I wanted to mention out there that he's quite he's more flexible when it comes to um, making changes game to game but when it you know, when it comes to in-game changes and uh, the teams uh, adjusting to their strategy they uh, he's uh, he has um, to work on it and improve because uh, a lot of teams have uh, seen their strategy of uh, the, their defensive strategy and um, they try to expose them in the second half so i think that he has to work on on, on his in-game uh tactical changes absolutely uh steve i i'm curious about the role of the two strikers lautaro and lukaku you know they scored a lot they scored something like uh 28 goals between the two but uh defensively what is their job uh it's a, it's a great question uh, i think when you look at Lukaku during during the, his entire kind of season, he's a fundamental to the way Conte wants to attack. So he's had 581 challenges across across the season so far. Um, but of those 581 challenges, only 70 of, of them have been from a defensive standpoint, which when you consider the amount of games they've played so far is, is not a lot at all. Um, when you compare that to Martinez, Martinez is up. At 125, his challenges are 613 across the season, but 125 of them have been defensive challenges. So while they do uh, enough defensively, they're, they're not the pressing um, front front two that potentially he had at Chelsea where, where they went after the ball a little bit more and able to get the team's heart at the pitch. So they're, they're, more, uh, they're more defensive forwards, I, I would say. Certainly Lukaku is, is in that mould, but what what they do when they when they win the ball back through their interceptions or or in that medium block is they play quickly into those two and from there uh, they cause havoc. So, fifteen goals so far for for Inter from a counter attacking perspective. Eleven of them have been between these two the, these two strikers, and they've had twenty nine shots for those counter attacks between between the pair of them. So, it's it's been a real. Um, Dominant performance from from Lukaku in certain games, and, and certainly there has been times where he's been absolutely frightening in those broken play moments where he's able to get forward and, and run into space and, and brush people aside. But he, he certainly doesn't offer the the, the defensive uh, energy and, and pressing that Martinez ha has done on the on the opposite side. Chris, is this Lukaku similar to the one that we used to know at uh, Everton? Well, I defer to to Steve on that. Um, you know, I do think that it's a, probably a lot closer to Everton than it is to Man U. Um, you know, it's remarkable how he can just take that ball and it almost seems like he carries it on his hip and runs to the goal. He can protect that ball so well. Steve, would you say that that's that's the case? That's his mo. 
yeah, I, th- I think he's certainly more Everton like than than Man United like for sure. Uh, while he isn't f- while he isn't fundamental to the way they defend, he's certainly f- very very powerful in the way they attack, and and he he's a focal point for for them in, in those in those moments. So, um, but he does have an impact on on the way they defend for sure. So. When you think about Conte's teams, you'd expect them to to be kind of pressing, very well organised, um, press out the pitch like he was certainly with Italy um, and then with Chelsea as well in the Premier League. But they're down in seventh in terms of uh, passes per defensive action, like we talked about earlier, across the league. So that number's down at just under nine uh, with Bologna, for example, at the top at uh, just, just over seven. So there's not a great deal of difference between kind of the top six or seven sides in the league in terms of, of pressing actions. But when you consider, like I mentioned earlier, Ju- Juventus in that game, they were down at 20 um, uh, passes per defensive action, which meant they, they potentially sat off a lot deeper in that five block like Laurie was talking about earlier. Uh, but also in certain games like Fiorentina and Milan, where they were down, where they were up at five passes per defensive action, I think they fluctuated quite quite greatly across the season in terms of the the amount of pressing they've done and what they've been able to do but on the flip side of that the the recoveries that they've got in in the games they're again they're in the top eight uh, just under 70 recoveries per game Atalanta are at the top just under 79 so there's a little bit of a difference between them but the amount of balls they win in their own third compared to the rest of those teams above them is they're they're in the in the top two so they win an awful lot of their balls in the in the mid in the mid third and the final third of of, of games against their opposition, uh, and that would lend itself to them still being certainly very much on the front foot and, and pressing um, in those in those two areas, but with more with more subtle variations around where they win the ball back. And I know Laurie's going to talk a little bit now about how important the win backs are, but there's certainly a lot of a lot of uh, good work done by the, by their midfield as opposed to. And winning the ball higher up the pitch with the with the front two for sure. Yeah, Laurie, why don't you pick up uh, Steve's assist and you you get into final third delivery and uh, the importance of the wing back role for Inter, which is a trademark of uh, contest formations. Yeah, firstly, I'm going to focus on um, their uh, final third delivery methods and uh, actually. Um, discuss their uh, build-up uh, and how they actually give the ball to to Martinez and uh, Lukaku. So the key man in, in, in the midfield zone is uh, Marcelo Brozovic. He's been uh, very important for the team. His uh, movement and ac- actions on the ball are uh, ba- well balanced out and he uh, is very important in all areas. Uh, then it doesn't matter if it's defensively or if it's uh, helping with the, the final third actions. Uh, his passing is um, used quite a lot uh, and he's playing the role of a pivot and um, supporting um, back, but also going, uh, despite his defensive um, midfield posi- uh, position, he goes uh, up front quite quite often and tries to support the team with the ball progression with uh, with uh, the assists and uh, actually he has quite a good record uh, when it comes to uh, second assists uh, so his positioning is very important because he's um, able to um, to take actions whenever they they um, they need him to so the 
another thing that they do in in their build-up is uh, you, you, the use of the house spaces. They, they the, the midfielders move quite a lot around there, and um, they actually rely on that movement so they can find pockets uh, behind the defenses and um, advance the ball and send it to to the strikers. So that has helped them a lot um, in their attacking actions. Um, despite the, the the more active role of the wingbacks, which we will discuss in a minute, uh, they do attack through the middle too. And um, the use of, uh, of house spaces and uh, their movement there to drag players out of position and open spaces for the strikers is very important. But in cases when they can't find um, this, um, uh, these free spaces and they struggle to penetrate and to, to break the lines, especially against um, well-structured um, uh, mid-blocks, uh, they uh, tend to use more di direct play and uh, send the ball behind the defensive lines uh, from deeper positions. So next we're going to discuss the importance of the wingbacks. And actually, um, maybe we should have started with them because they're um, one of the... Um, the flanks are one of the key areas for, for, for the team. Um, the wingbacks are quite uh, active out there and um, very very important for the team is Kandreva, who has actually performed very well um, uh, this season and is one of the main uh, players to deliver the ball to the final third and the box. Um, he's, um, he's key for their attacking actions. He's um, using a lot of uh, crosses and actually his precision is uh, quite quite good and um, he his off the ball movement is um, one of the things that make him that successful because usually the wing backs um, their nature is to to go back and forth and help defensively and uh, in attack too but what Kandreva is doing is he joins um, for for the the defensive actions that we mentioned before, these defensive triangles, but w where he positions is mostly between the central line and the final third, the, the edge of, of the final third, and um, he moves off the ball and waits to make a deep run and actually um, reach the edge of, of the box and send across to, to the to the strikers. So his movement and his, um, despite his age, his uh, speed and um, accurate actions uh, help uh, the team a lot in, in their uh, in in their attacking actions. Yeah, we know that uh, Conte loves himself some uh, hardworking wingbacks. Specifically about Kandreva, he's uh, coming off of a tough year under Spalletti. He couldn't really find consistency in playing time. And in fact, this year, he already surpassed the appearances that he had last year under Spalletti. And uh, I know, Lori, you have some data about him being uh, leading the, the Serie A for, uh, for crosses. Uh, yes, uh, we can see from the, from his data, we can see that um, he's actually the leader when it comes to crosses in, in the in the league. He he's sending um, average of uh, 7.2 to crosses per game, which is uh, quite a high a high number, and. Um, 
to, to underline the use of uh, both the left and the, uh, the right uh, sides of the pitch, um, we can see that um, Biragi is uh, in the top three too. Uh, he's uh, he's in the uh, in, in the third place with uh, 5.7 crosses per game, which only shows that the importance of uh, both wing backs and um, uh, that Inter often rely on creating their attacks through the, through the wings. Um, and yeah, but uh, you're right that uh, Kandreva has uh, flourished uh, this season and actually plays on uh, his potential and has become a very important part of the team. I think it's why he's, he's obviously been quite aggressive in, in the January window as well, bringing in Ashley Young, for example, to give him a little bit more depth in those positions. Would you agree? Uh, yeah, actually, um, I'm qu quite, um, I'm quite surprised that um, Young um, fit the team that well. He didn't get uh, a lot of playing time uh, yet, but I think that as an additional option uh, that goes very well with the team strategy and uh, exactly those uh, that depth that you are talking about. And um, yeah, in some situations, um, as we can see, uh, Kondreva's uh, movement is very uh, in the house spaces is very important. He uh, tends to cut inside and not only occupy the wings, but uh, go to the central areas. And that's where he's also very important because when he exploits the house spaces, he tends to shoot from distance quite often. And uh, that way he provides additional threat to the, to the goal. Yeah, and his, uh, his shot is pretty powerful. I remember him screen, uh, scoring a worldie this season. It's just The shot just went uh, upper 90. But um, what, there, are, there is another midfielder who has been a little unlucky this season with, uh, with injuries, and that's uh, Stefano Sensi. How important has it been uh, for Inter, Lori? Um, Sensi is um, a player that is a great addition to any team, in my opinion, because he is quite complex and he, he can help a lot again with the with the actions in the opposition half. Uh, yeah, he didn't get a lot of uh, playing time due to his uh, injuries this season, but he has shown that um, he can fit the strategy well. Uh, of course, um, now Conte has quite a few options in the midfield to choose from, and it will be difficult for him to, to get the regular, um, to, into the regular starting 11. But uh, what's, his role in, in the team has been always staying on the edge of the final third, always exploiting the house spaces, always um, looking for for advancing the ball and delivering it further. And um, he's always uh, responsible for supplying with true balls. Although um, I think when I was looking at the data, his true ball um, occurrency uh, percentage was, wasn't that high, which is very interesting, but he, uh, he has the vision and he has the, um, the right positioning to, to help a lot with these true balls. Maybe he needs to work on, on his precision more, but I think he's, he could be very important for the attacking actions. And um, he he's also can be used as a direct threat to the goal because uh, he has three goal, scored three goals this season. And um, his movement and his attack nature uh, allows him to place well uh, around and in the box 
too, which makes him um, a good option when uh, the team is um, down with a goal or 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 two, and he can help um, uh, to to go back to normal. And um, I've made a comparison with Barella be just because uh, um, he's the player that is used on the left central midfield uh, position uh, most frequently. And uh, wanted to see the difference uh, between both uh, in some data. Uh, their pass accuracy, accuracy is quite close, but we can see that um, Sensi has a, a bit of advantage in that area, but I think that um, this advantage comes uh, just from his uh, work under pressure and um, confidence on the ball, and also because um, Barella is mostly uh, is more frequently going back into the into the defense, and he's um, he's being pressed quite a lot and um, this makes him to, um, his actions less accurate and he sends less accurate passes and everything. That's why uh, there is a, a difference between the two. Uh, when it comes to final third actions, uh, we can uh, see from the data that um, Barreo is sending more balls to, to the final third, but that doesn't necessarily mean that um, the outcome of them has been uh, has been better than senses, um, and um, when I mentioned that uh, Barreo is going defensively, defensively more often than Sensi, this could be seen um, by his directions in the final third and the shots per ninety minutes. And the difference between uh, Sensi's uh, more attacking nature is that he. Uh, he's um, shooting 3.4 times uh, per game when Barreo is uh, barely touching the, the the one shot. So, in what occasions would you play Sensi, and in what occasions would you play Barella? Yeah, I can I can give. Um, thank you for the question because I can give. Um, a final opinion on if he if sense he needs to to sign permanently because we know he's uh, he's on loan uh, as a team, but um, if uh, Conte is uh, wants to focus more on uh, penetrating the the opposition and uh, their attacking actions, he should choose smartly and choose uh, Sensi. But if he wants to have a player who goes um, um, more box to box and um, drops back uh, in the fence and helps with uh, pressing and uh, just some defensive actions, he needs to focus on Barella. Yeah, Barella can really run, uh, run forever. Let me show a little bias for the Italy national team here because we talked about uh, Candreva, Sensi and Barella. I appreciate how Italian players have been performing under Conte. Uh, Sensi Barella especially, they came from Sassuolo and Cagliari, who are uh, two teams that, you know, they're usually middle to uh, bottom of the table teams. And the transition to such a historic, historical club like Inter is never easy. So for them to perform at this level, I think that uh, we need to give credit to them. And uh, so it's promising to see just Italian midfielders stepping up their game especially with a view to next summer Euros. <laughs> yes, they, 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 um, they really um, 
uh, fit very well in, in his strategy and um, they managed to, to do this in in the matter of two games, uh, let's say. They, they, they really clicked together and um, I guess it, it might be that Italian connection out there that, that's making them yeah, yeah. that good of a team. So, Steve, let me ask you this question here. Um, Inter is, is a good solid eight points off um, from Lazio. Uh, they do have a, a game in hand. Uh, Atalanta is, is a good eight points behind Inter, right? So if I look at the run-in, you know, if, if there are 13 some odd games left, they do have to face Roma, uh, they have to face Atalanta, and they have to face Napoli, which are all clubs directly on, below them. Do you think Inter is in a threatened position, or do you think they're going to just kind of um, stay at that that third slot without much threat below, and nor much of an opportunity to move up above? Do you have a Do you have a take yeah. on their run? Yeah, it's going to it's going to be it's going to be interesting. Obviously, like I mentioned earlier, he's been quite aggressive in the January window. Conte bringing players in to add to the to the depth of the squad. I think he was quite vocal earlier on about not being able to get certain players into his squad, uh, which he's potentially rectified in, in the January window. Uh, um, guys like Ashley Young coming in to, to add depth into those into those wide area positions. So I think they're in they're in a good spot. I think they were they were excellent against Juventus certainly for the first forty five minutes and they've been excellent for, for parts of parts of games throughout the season. So they definitely have it in them to to remain to remain in that in that position. But whether they've got enough consistency, whether they've got enough understanding of what Conte expects from them as individuals and as part of a group will, will be telling. But yeah, I, I think those those games with the teams around them are gonna are gonna be the telling points for, for sure. Laurie, if I asked you to look at your crystal ball, how, how do you see the rest of the season playing out for Inter? Um, as I mentioned before, I think that uh, the the lack of uh, flexibility when it comes to in-game changes would um, really affect their performance. And um, when we see, uh, of course, we don't know um, what's going to be after the, the break, but um, when we see Atalanta's performance before, uh, before it, um, I think that they could um, really really be, uh, get closer to 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 the to inter and inter's um performance when it comes to uh, being um defensively uh smart and just um um think of other options when when the other teams um just the, the understand their the their um, tactics in game, they need to, to to have plan B and plan C because we we haven't seen this um, uh, throughout the season. If I can, and then there's going to be there's going to be a real issue with the um, with the number of games in you know in the schedule as well. I think he's already said that he wants to play his youth team against in the in the Coppa Italia. Um, you know, in that first game to to give his players another another break uh, rather than kind of thrash them in there early. So I think it's going to depend on how much he can get from his squad players as well, for sure. It will also depend on whether uh, Champions League and Europa League will come back. So right now Inter has to play Getafe in Europa League, but we know that Juventus has an interesting and tough second leg game against uh, Lyon after losing the, the first leg. So Inter can definitely exploit this position if Champions League comes back because Juventus is going to have to to focus on two main competitions 
So we'll see how will that play out. You know, what I'm, I'm really struck by is um, if you look at the goal differentials, uh, Inter Milan uh, is at 25 and Juventus is at 26, right? And Atalanta is at 36. Uh, but I guess it's when you score those goals uh, is what matters. It's, it's been some, um, some, uh, some tied scores has been what's led to um, Juventus being um, – uh, up by a good solid nine points. So um, fascinating stuff on on Inter. Uh, thank you so much for that. Uh, that wraps up our show today. Uh, we would like to thank Total Football Analysis. They are the world's largest open source soccer analytics community. Please visit us at www.totalfootballanalysis.com. Join the revolution. Signore e signori, that's all for today. Special thanks again to Enrico Italian Bistro for their continued support, as well as the NCFC and the NC Corps Soccer Clubs. See you soon. A presto. Ciao.